Are you talking, Hendrix? Oh, what do you have to say? Tell me more. I like this story. Oh, bless you, baby. Oh, cover your mouth when you sneeze, okay? Oh, good job. Hello, everyone. We have Henley Grace Painter on the podcast today. Henley, what do you want to say? What? You have words. Where are your words? Are you talking like a baby? Don't chew the microphone, Henley Grace. What are we doing today? Please don't lick the microphone, Henley Grace. What are we doing today, sweet girl? Talk to me Are we going to go see your cousins today? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go see my cousins. You want to go see your cousins? Do you want to see... Who do you want to go see? Amelia. Who else do you want to go see? You said Amelia. That's your cousin who's six months younger than you. Who else do you want to see? Jojo. You want to go see Uncle Jojo? Uncle Jojo. Who else do you want to go see? Hockey must be and... Mason Man and Baby Zach? Yep, please. Hey, that's not nice. Do you want to go swimming? Yes, yes. What else are we going to do today? Are we going to go swimming? Yay! Can you say, Happy Fourth of July? Happy Happy Fourth of July. Happy Fourth of July. Welcome to a new episode of Hot Marriage Cool Parents. Hello, hello. We're Douglas Hainer, that's my hubby, and I'm Janie Otis Hainer. How come this microphone is wet? Gracie was definitely just licking it. Oh, Jesus. Don't say Jesus. All right, hey, Zeus. (laughs) Jeez Louise. Don't say the Lord's name in vain. Yeah, don't say Jeez then. You can say Jeez, you can't (laughs) say the Lord's name in vain. Anyway. So today we have... Two amazing, amazing guests on the podcast. They're toddler experts, and they have literally helped save my life. I'm not even exaggerating. Yeah, I get these random messages that are actually picture messages from Jamie all the time with scenarios that we just went through, and all of a sudden, it's a post on Instagram. Yeah, so they're two ladies who are toddler experts. They run the account Big Little Feelings on Instagram, and I randomly discovered them probably a couple months ago. And I reached out to them because I was like, what do I do about like five different things? And they had such great answers. So I was like, can you guys please come on the podcast so I can help share all of your wisdom with, you know, everybody who's listening? Because I mean, if you listening don't have a toddler, you probably know someone who does. And we could all use some advice to help like tame these toddlers. It's especially (laughs) true now that everybody's forced to be home and and be like parents and teachers. Yeah. I'm the principal. Yeah. But before we get into all of that, I wanted to give a huge shout out to our five-star reviewer of the week. Typically, Doug, you do these, but this week I'm going to. Okay. It's Chubbs Digital. She says, what? How did I not know you had a podcast? I'm always looking for good podcasts to listen to, and I'm so excited to have found this. Married at First Sight fan since season one, and you guys are my favorite couple. Chubbs Digital, I love you. Thank you for that. I'm my favorite couple too. Douglas is definitely his own biggest fan. Yes. (laughs) Love it. Everyone needs a big fan. Doug is his own. Yes. And we really appreciate all of you guys reaching out, especially the five-star reviews. So if you want to get a shout out on the podcast, definitely check us out, leave a review because we do read them all. Yeah, we definitely do. Thank you guys for taking the time out to leave the reviews. You know, we love it. 
So Douglas, I had my six week postpartum visit. So I went to the doctor six weeks postpartum. I have not kept it a secret that I was diagnosed with HPV when I was like, I don't know, 12 weeks pregnant. That's right. And the reason that I'm so open and honest about it is because I feel like, well, first of all, 80% of the population has been diagnosed or will be diagnosed with HPV at some point in their lifetime. Yeah. And if you're not, you're a weirdo. No, not I'm at all. <laughs> but like truly... 80% of the population, but yet no one ever wants to talk about it because it's an STI. It's a sexually transmitted infection. So it seems like, oh, you have like this dirty, dirty disease. And let me just like go right on the record and say, if you have HPV, you're not dirty and you're not mm -hmm. filled with diseases. I have no signs whatsoever that I have HPV. I just went to a, just my regular checkup when I was very early pregnant and did a pap smear, came back. It was HPV positive. And so, of course, I instantly felt like just kind of gross and like, how do I have an STI? Like I've been with my husband for the last six Who are you years. Sleeping with. Yeah, exactly. You know, like you instantly feel like gross and shamed. And so I did my own research. Like, obviously, I'm a nurse, but there's not like a whole study on HPV when you're in nursing school. I think people have it. I think they're carriers of it. Yeah, you can be silent carriers of it. Obviously, I was because I didn't have any symptoms whatsoever, but yet I had it. Clearly, I mean, I only... Which she gave it to me. Well, no, I'm thinking you gave it to me because I've only had sex with you. <laughs> it could be. That's actually true. <laughs> and that's a fun fact about HPV is that... News... Fun fact. Newsflash. <laughs> fun fact here. <laughs> fun fact about HPV. Newsflash, not only women have it homeboy men carry it too which is honestly really good to know because you want to be tested for it because hpv can turn into all sorts of unfortunately different cancers on your body so like it can cause testicular cancer in men it causes cervical cancer in women and it's just one of those silent things that if left untreated, you could be in a bit of a storm. So, so what did they say about it? So this is the thing. So you go and when I was early pregnant, they said, listen, this isn't a cancer. You know, first you go to check to see if the cells are precancerous like in your uh, cervical canary. Oh, cervical canary. Uh, I cannot talk. I'm like <laughs> one cup of tea and like I haven't had caffeine in ages. So it's affecting me. But anyways, you know, they, they checked more thoroughly to see if the cells are precancerous. Mine came back as precancerous. So the only thing that I can do now because I'm pregnant is just wait until I'm six weeks postpartum to like actually have the cells checked again. And nine times out of 10, and don't quote me on that statistic because that's not like, you know, the majority of the time is what I'm trying to say. The cancerous cells, the HPV just kind of like sheds itself and that by the time you're postpartum, it will be gone. And so I think that's exactly what happened to me with Henley. Um, I also had this happen with Henley. I was not as open about it because like I said, I felt like almost shamed in it, but it happened again with Hendrix. And I'm like, listen, if this is that common, we can't be quiet about it because first of all, like if I hadn't had it checked, if I didn't know, would these precancerous cells develop into something that actually is cancer? And I had a friend reach out. Thank God she has two babies, but they actually did turn into cancerous cells for her. And she is in the midst of not sure whether or not she's going to have to have a hysterectomy and she only has two kids and she's in her 20s. So this is something that absolutely needs to be talked about. And just in case you do have HPV or you're newly diagnosed with HPV, the flip side of it is I have another friend who had HPV and reached out to me and said, oh, you know, after I had my baby, it was fine. So it could be anywhere's on the gamut, you know, within that scale, which is why it's so important to just go get a pap smear, just find out if you have it. You don't have to tell everybody that you have it, you know, if you do have it, but at least you'll be aware enough to take the appropriate actions to prevent that cancer from happening. Because or 
if you want to announce it here on Hot Marriage Cool Parents. Oh, yeah. You know, we'd love to talk to you about your HPV. <laughs> and then I won't be the only one sharing about my STI. That'd be great for just a podcast where people can just anonymously say what they're diagnosed with. Oh, my God. That is. And just to get it off your chest. Because yeah. I got to tell you. You when, don't have to tell us who you are, but we want to hear your story. Tell us what you're diagnosed with and we yeah. can try to work through it. Listen, leave a five-star <laughs> review and tell us if you want to share your story of whatever you're diagnosed with. And I'm not kidding you. Yeah. I will I will reach out. Yeah, actually, get it off your chest. Actually, there's not a way that I can reach out to you through the five-star reviews, unfortunately. So if you don't want to leave your email address within your five-star review, <laughs> then just leave yeah. me a comment on Instagram. Just say, hey, I heard the podcast and I actually want to share my story. And honestly, maybe we'll make a podcast about everyone just sharing their stories because there are so many of them. Yeah. Well, and I was kind of saying it as somewhat of a joke, but not really because anytime that we've had someone on that has, you know, think of toxic shock syndrome, I had no idea that that was even a thing. And now I'm fully aware of it as a father of a daughter, you know, it could bring awareness to others. So if you're going through something, if you want someone to talk to, obviously anonymously, we're more than happy to reach out to you. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of the toxic shock syndrome, since you brought it up, that is an episode, a few episodes back, you could find that episode. And this is a mama who lost her 19 year old daughter. Her daughter only just turned 19 years old. She lost her daughter due to toxic shock syndrome. From a tampon. Yeah. The girl only had flu-like symptoms. So the mom just assumed that, you know, she had the flu, let her rest, let her sleep. And unfortunately, it wreaked havoc in her body during that time. And by the time she went to the hospital, it was too late. And so now the mom is taking her experience and sharing it to help prevent that from happening to other mamas and their children or, you know, just women in general. So yeah, it's so important that we share our stories because otherwise, like how else are we going to stay educated and know what the appropriate steps are or feel comfortable enough to just go get treatment? So long story short, there it is. The saying that my husband hates that I say, but long story short, which <laughs> just turns into a long story. I had my six week checkup. I have no idea yet what is going on as far as like the cells, whether or not they're still, even if they're even there or if they are precancerous still, or if they're full blown cancer, I would have no idea until the results come back. But what I did find out is that I have a cyst on my vaginal wall which I'm like, oh, great. That sounds gross, but it doesn't hurt me. It's very small. And they said they could lance it, which just means like slice it open to drain it. And I was like, uh, actually that does not sound fun at all. And <laughs> if it doesn't hurt me, is there any chance I can just leave it there? Because I mean, that just does sound so painful. Um, we haven't had sex yet. My poor husband, we got the okay at the six week mark. It's been a week now. <laughs> and which we've said on every podcast so far. Yeah. And so we will continue to update you. Yeah. Maybe one day we'll have sex. I don't know. But apparently the whole cyst thing, the doctor said that the reason why a lot of people do choose to have them like drained and lanced is because it's painful during sex. So I'm like, honestly, I'm dreading having sex because it was so painful last time, Doug. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think this time around it's, you know, a different suture. Um, is that what they call them? Suture? Well, it was someone I, different yeah. who was sewing me up. <laughs> <laughs> that's so random but yeah I don't know I guess we'll see right one day maybe I'll just I'll just get drunk and go crazy and see what happens you never it, know it might hurt it might not I'll I said I needed a, I said I needed a doctor's note before I go in there so oh <laughs> oh okay <laughs> you weirdo <laughs> would that make you smile Douglas before we forget, I wanted to make sure to give a shout out to that podcast that we were listening to in the car, Wondery, The Daily Smile. 
Yes, absolutely. It's hosted by Nikki Boyer and she brings, oh God, this is so good. She brings you literally a daily smile. It's like 14, 12, 18, 20 minute clippets of different stories and whatnot that will literally make you smile. Yeah. If anybody's looking for a pick me up, the whole entire podcast that she has is just a reminder on how good people can be. And they bring you stories like the 11 year old girl whose kind thank you note to her local mailman sparked a national response from mail carriers all across the country. Or even like they did an interview with a 17 year old student activist, Jalen Thompson, who really grabs national spotlight after he and his friends brought their communities together during a very difficult time in a small suburb outside of St. Louis, Missouri. And it just puts you in such a feel-good feeling. So if yeah. you're feeling miserable right now, or your husband's like hounding on you <laughs> about not having sex. Yeah. Well, just do a quick search for The Daily Smile. And you can find and subscribe to The Daily Smile on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or even through the Wondery app. They also have a Wondery Plus, which is the Wondery app, listening ad-free. And it's all about how small little moments can change your life for the better. And the other thing that I actually wanted to talk about before we moved on to bringing our toddler experts on is native deodorant. You've definitely heard me talk about this before if you've listened to this podcast because I love native deodorant. So essentially it is deodorant that doesn't just block odor. And native deodorant, it's not like other natural products where you feel like you're sacrificing efficacy. This doesn't just block odor, it's made better. It has ingredients you've heard of, coconut oil, shea butter, tapioca starch. It's just, it's vegan, never tested on animals, all the good stuff that you would want in a natural product. I love that you say efficacy. <laughs> when do you say that in real life? I was a pharmaceutical sales rep and I used to say it all the time. Oh, okay. Well, anyways, just so you guys know, aluminum, which is in a lot of different deodorant, it forms a plug in your sweat glands to keep you from sweating. That's why Native never uses ingredients like aluminum, parabens, sulfates, or talc, because honestly, it's not healthy for you. So switching to an aluminum-free deodorant you know, sometimes you think that it's just then, okay, so then you're just going to stink the whole day because I know that I've tried some, the quote unquote natural deodorants that just don't work. But trust me when I say native, honestly, it truly, truly works. My favorite scent is the lavender and rose and I put it on and I, I kid you not, like I don't stink with it. <laughs> like, so that's good. And anybody out there that may want to try native, it's absolutely risk-free to try. Every product comes with free shipping within the U.S. and a 30-day return and exchange policy. So you can really see why so many people love it. And you can check out over 14,000 five-star reviews that they have. I always go based on five-star reviews. So if you want, you can just do what I did and make the switch to native today. Just go to nativedo.com slash HMCP, or you can just use the promo code HMCP at checkout and get 20% off your first order. That's nativedo.com slash HMCP or use the promo code HMCP at checkout for 20% off your first order. Yeah, and like I said, my favorite scent is lavender and rose. That's the one that is in my cabinet and it's also in my purse just in case I stink. It's summertime, so forgive me. I sweat but have, a lot. But they have other flavors, cucumber, mint, citrus. Yeah, <laughs> flavors, Douglas. <laughs> Efficacy and flavors, I love it. <laughs> All right, well, let's bring on our guest today. Doug and I aren't always on the same page when it comes to parenting. We really try to make the rules together and stick to them so we're like a united front against these kids. But sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we have literally no idea what to do. Like neither one of us know what the right answer is. For example, like when I wanted to start potty training Gracie, 
like no idea where to start. And then of course with Hendrix coming, we weren't sure how to handle like jealousy and things of that nature. And honestly, her tantrums now, my sweet angel has turned into a toddler who throws tantrums and I'm like, I don't even know how to handle this. And so I was scrolling through Instagram and I was like, just looking for, like, I guess, tips on it. And you could find some amazing, amazing pages with like great tips on Instagram. And I did. I found this page. It's called Big Little Feelings. It's run by two toddler experts. Dina is a child therapist and a parent coach. And Kristen is a mama of two toddlers. And they share the most practical tips for handling toddlers. It's not like, I don't know, rocket science. Like they make it super easy and super fun almost to like be able to take care of your kids tantrums. So I literally started DMing them constantly for advice. And they're so nice. They like give me such a thorough answer. So, you know, I've been talking to them now for a few months and I asked if they would come on the podcast because I feel like the advice that they give is so valuable that I want to be able to share it with all of you guys listening. So I am so happy to say that we have Dina and Kristen on this episode of the podcast. Ladies, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. Hi, thank you. Absolutely. So the first topic that I really want to focus on because it's super important to me is transitioning our daughter. So she'll be three in August, which is in just a couple months. And she is still in a crib. <laughs> and I don't, and no one judged me. But I was like, I'm having a baby. And I don't want my toddler coming out of the room all night long. So we have the mattress on the floor and she's in her crib slash like jail <laughs> when we put her but she likes it like she still loves her crib so it's not like she's begging to get out she's not climbing up gonna like fall or something she just goes to bed in it and it's like her safe little haven but I'm like okay well she's almost three and we should probably transition her at some point to a toddler bed okay so ladies thoughts on toddler beds yes so just want to start by saying Jamie uh you're a toddler expert congratulations <laughs> how am I a toddler expert <laughs> You did it. So the number one sleep issue that we see where sleep problems is moving them into a big girl bed too soon. And they're really, really developmentally not ready before three. And I know that like our parents did it or our cousin did it or our next door neighbor did it, but you did the right thing. I mean, every sleep expert, every even pediatricians, at least three, right? That's the earliest in an ideal world, unless they're jumping out of their bed. You want to keep them in there. You call it baby jail, but I mean, especially with a newborn, you did the right thing. It's a perfect move. That's actually what prompted us to put the mattress on the floor was because all of a sudden we were sitting downstairs and we just hear my daughter going, mommy, daddy. And she's standing at the top of the steps. You're like, how did you uh -huh. get out? And then I go in her room, everything, like she's got this little playhouse that was turned over all of her pillows and everything where I was, I was like, all right, well maybe we need to move this to the ground. And not, yep. for, not for nothing, but thank you, because that makes me feel so much better because, you know, everyone I know, they transition their kids around like, I don't know, right when they turn two or something. And I'm like, I am not in a rush. And I feel like I might get judged a little bit by my friends and even family. They are like, she's still in the crib. And I'm like, yeah, she is. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to let you in on a secret. My daughter turns four in September and she's still in her crib and she's 90th percentile for height too. But she's happy. Like you said, if she were asking, of course. I mean, and that means they're verbally ready. They're mentally ready. That's different. But if they like it, they enjoy it, then the longer you wait within a certain reason, you know, once you get to three or four, let's do it, obviously. But the more secure they're going to be and the more prepared they're going to be to have the big kid bed, they're going to understand things like stay in your room. They'll actually get it and they'll be able to do it. So you did it. Everybody agrees. I'm telling you, every sleep expert agrees. And so what signs do you look for or is there any tips that you have as far as like preparing your toddler's mind for this switch? Yeah, so 
again, I think you guys are toddler experts because the most important <laughs> thing that you should focus on truly is preparing them. Not all people do that. Some people think like, oh, you should sneak it in while they're at preschool. And again, there's no judgment or there's no wrong necessarily way to do it but the best thing to do like you guys said is to prep so we think for like three weeks at least just talking about it every day role playing so get some barbies get the bed she knows exactly what's happening putting her in charge of something small right so she can pick out the sheets if you want her to pick out the bed let her pick out the bed you know but approve maybe two first or something and really really prepare her for that and part of that too is you got to prepare her for what will happen when she comes out of that bed, right? And I think that piece is missing a lot. Like, you prepare, and then they get in there, and they're like, all right, well, now what? They're excited about the bed, but they don't know what's going to happen. So you really need to walk them through with dolls and with the play when you get out of your bed, because now you can. Now you can get out of your bed. Mommy or daddy will walk you back calmly and will say, night, night, it's time for bed. I love you and put you back in and close the door over and over and tell her what will happen if she comes out of her room in advance. Okay, so all you say is that you're going to, what do I say to her? Like you say, okay, if you get out of this bed, mommy's going to come back and put you right back in this bed because you're supposed to be in bed right now. Yeah, if you kind of say it in like kind of working with them, if you will, letting them in on the secret. And now that they're big, too, they're kind of in charge, too, where it's like, this is what we do. This is how mommy does it. This is how daddy does it. This is how, you know, Charlie, whoever does it. And when it's time for sleep, we stay in our bed. And another really key tip that I can just throw in here is the okay to wait clock. I don't know if you guys have heard of that or if you have that. No, please let us know. So it's like a nightlight. And the nightlight doesn't need to be on, by the way. You can have it off all night. And from your phone with Bluetooth, or you can set the time, it will turn green when it's okay for her to wake up in the morning. Whatever time you want. If it's 6.30, if it's 7, whatever it may be. So that's another big piece where you stay in your bed until it turns green. And when it turns green, that means it's time to come out. And so you just explain it that way. Just exactly what is expected, exactly what you're going to do. Kind of make her feel cool and in charge of it. Okay, so this might just be, I don't know, anxiety talking. But what if there's a fire or something and she just thinks she has to stay in her bed because the light's red? You know what I mean? Yeah. I would think that we would be able to get to her room in time. Yeah, you would think so. But like, I don't know. I think about things like that. So that's actually a good point, too. And that goes more towards like a different category of kind of emergency planning with your family and talking about, okay, if the fire alarms do go off, here's what our family does. And here's where we all go together so that they know in like an emergency situation, there is a different plan. But that's a good point. Okay. But, yeah. um, you also have to think about it like right now, as it stands today, she's in a crib, right? So if there's a fire right now, she can't get out of her crib. She realistically has to wait for you to get in and wait for that to happen. And That's so true. I hear you because I actually have true like mom anxiety a lot of the times. And that kind of comforts me in a way where it's like, even if let's say she doesn't get the plan of fire safety, which you absolutely should teach her. It's an interesting way to have her think about it that right now as it is, you got to go in there anyways to go and get her. That's a really good point. And also I was just thinking like, I don't know if the light is red. At least I know she's in her bed. Like I know exactly where she is. You know, she's not out wandering the house or something. 
hundred percent. That was my other point is the safety of knowing that your kid is, I mean, not only just in a fire, but just in general, by the way, a fire, you know, I'm not going to say that's unlikely. We should prep for that, of course, but just think about her wandering around and knives or plugs or this or that. She's much safer knowing for the most part, we're in our beds all night. And then if and when she can get fire safety, do it. Like, that'll be a great addition. But she really is safest in her bed at night as a toddler. So are you recommending that we start a fire in the house just to practice? <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah, big little feelings. No, no. Big little feelings, everyone. Okay. <laughs> I actually want to switch gears because this is something that Jamie and I both struggled with, me in particular, and no one could prepare for this quarantine and staying at home. But I think from a parent's point of view, no one could have really prepared other than teachers on having to teach their kids at home and be home in quarantine and have it being kind of a productive day. And we try to mix in different activities, you know, each day, but Sometimes it feels like we're bouncing from one topic to the next just to keep things fresh and fun. And what are your recommendations regarding how many activities we should be doing with a toddler? Is there too many different activities that you could do in one day? So toddlers really do learn best through play. Almost think of it like a toddler's work is to play and explore their environment. They're exploring relationships and so that's actually like the best way to help them learn and really promoting and incorporating in their natural curiosities and interests is a great way to do it. So you can weave in like counting and colors throughout the day and have them just really doing sensory activities and exploring because ultimately what we want to build is lifelong learners and curiosity at this age and exploration is going to be one of the most key things. That makes sense. So is it better to maybe focus on a few different areas of learning each day or should you be focusing on certain types of play and certain types of learning each week? Um, you know, it just depends on how you like to do it, because I think when we're not so rigid about it, kind of our education system in general has always told us that, you know, sitting and focusing with a pencil in your hand is the best <laughs> way to learn. But really at the toddler stage, if we reframe it, it's about just exploring. So if your toddler, I don't know, loves bugs, you can go outside and part of their learning will be to explore and count bugs as you go. If they love animals, you can take out all the animals that day and do colors with them. So it doesn't necessarily need to be like a structured, focused activity. You can start to weave this in just through play, through the dolls that you interact with, because really they're learning about their motor skills. They're learning about how relationships work. You know, books are a great way for them to actively learn. Same with music and yeah. dance. This is really their work. I think adults learn in the same way. I love playing. <laughs> Doug, Doug is basically a big kid. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. And when you do that, they really build problem solving skills. And honestly, that's how we build leaders, right? Are very, people very who true. think outside the box and really problem solve and think creatively. Yeah. And one thing too, I don't know if Henley sort of developed this just as Hendrix was coming into the world, but something that happens throughout the day is we'll start to interact and play with Henley and then all of a sudden, she'll just decide that she does not want to do anything. She doesn't want to do what we say. She says no to absolutely everything. 
what are some ways to respond to a child that is only giving no as an answer? And is this kind of like a sort of tantrum type thing? Yeah. So first of all, no is probably what the most common word that you hear (laughs) right now. And so take some solace again to know that this is totally, completely normal. Absolutely. Right. Don't get your feelings hurt. You're not doing a bad job. It's so super normal. That said, it's frustrating like all day long. So we do have some tips and some tricks and you know it really shouldn't always feel like a battle also at the same time you want to have a good relationship with your kid right so the first little tip and I don't know if this is necessarily what you do but I even find myself doing this by accident is you never pretty much ever want to ask your toddler an open-ended question and that is particularly if you're wanting them to do something like for example do you need to go potty are you ready for bedtime It's a no, right? Because they're going to say no, and then you're going to go, well, it's time for bed. And then it's just power struggle right off the bat, right? And so, again, like I catch myself asking and I'm like, nope, shut that down. They're going to say no, 100%. I mean, 100%. So you want to make those big choices for them as the parents. They really shouldn't be in control of when bedtime is or even the potty example. You want to make a statement. And so it's, it's time for potty. It's time for bedtime. And then on top of that, what's going to really help, the reason they're saying no all the time is toddlers have this natural urge for power and control. (laughs) And it's part of, yeah, you probably know that, right? Like it's part of uh, (laughs) their brain development. And it also makes sense, right? Like they're literally being bossed around all day long. Like we wouldn't necessarily love that either. And so a really cool way to make them feel involved and to overcome the no barrier is you first say the statement, it's time for bedtime. And then you give them a small choice, something that you're allowing them to choose, which is, do you want to pick your teddy bear tonight? Or do you want to pick your kitty tonight? It's time to leave for school right now. We're leaving right now. Do you want to get your red shoes? Or do you want to wear your blue shoes instead of being like, which shoes do you want to wear? And what you know, it's like, concrete two choices. They think, oh, I'm going to be given the power now. I'm choosing this. I'm going to bed right now. I'm going to go on the potty right now. If you say it's time to go potty, do you want to go on the big potty or the little potty? They feel like it's their choice and they're involved in it. Yeah. Okay. So no joke. You've definitely talked about this on your Instagram page. And so tonight, no joke, right before, you know, we hopped on this podcast, Gracie's in bed, all of our audience, they know that we do this while she's sleeping. At least we try to. But tonight after her bath, I said, do you want to wear your, well, first I said, what do you want to wear to bed? And then I was like, wait, don't say that because she's like, now, you know, she's like, doesn't want to wear anything. And I was like, can't be a naked girl. And so I pulled out a, like a short sleeve nighty night, night, nighty gown. gown? (laughs) I pulled out a short sleeve nightgown and I pulled out like her unicorn, like two piece pajama set. And I said, which one do you want to wear? And I held it and no joke, girlfriend, like threw them both out of my hands. And I was like, okay, so if you don't want to make a decision, then mommy's going to put this one on you. And you know, then I ended up putting one on her, but what do you do in that situation? And also, first of all, thank you so much for the first tip, because I realized immediately, like she's too young to have like that type of a decision, like just make it easy for her and give her two options. So, and I told Doug this too, and he's like, where, like, I've been coming at him hard with all your guys' tips. Like I'll see it. I'll screenshot it and I'll send it over to him (laughs) during the day. (laughs) And then she laughs at me when I put it in play. Yeah. Cause like, you know, when when she has like a tantrum, we'll say you're having big feelings right now, aren't you? It's okay to feel sad. And then Jamie looks at me and starts laughing. I I do not. It'll happen. It's just like, it's interesting, but I'm honestly, I am genuinely so thankful for your page because every day I get a little nugget of wisdom 
And even if I've already seen that particular tip before, it's like a reminder. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do. So anyways, I forget even, oh yeah, the question was, okay, so I said this or this, you know, and she just kind of threw a little tantrum and tossed them both out of my hand. So then I decided which one for her. Is that the right reaction? I don't even know what the right reaction is. So I'm so happy you're here to answer this. Yes. Okay. So that's a great point. And actually that's like the next step, right? We have all of these tips. We have all these tricks, you know, let them follow. We even do like follow the leader. So put your kitties into night night and put them into bed. Those are all great. And honestly, they work and they work some of the time. It's not going to work every time. And at many times during the day, your toddler is straight up just going to go no or have the tantrum or do whatever it is. So the other part of the no thing or what just happened to you, you did exactly the right thing. And that is consistent boundaries every single time. So you gave her the choice. She didn't want to do the choice. And that's okay. It's time for bed. It's time to wear jammies. I'm going to put these jammies on you now. Really calm, really confidently. We're not punishing or going just really calmly holding the boundaries. And the more you do that with everything, by the way, the less of the nose that you're going to see overall. So if it's something like the iPad and there's some, you know, crazy tantrum and nose around the iPad, the more that you just say, I hear you don't want to turn off the iPad. That makes you feel mad. It's time to say bye to the iPad. And you hold that every single time they're going to learn that the nose and the screaming and the this and the that, it's not going to change the outcome. We're getting our jammies on. We're going to bed now. In a very loving, calm, supportive way, by the way. This is it. Yeah. iPad is done. Jammies are on. It's time to go. And the more you do that and you don't like falter from exhaustion of like, fine, just one more iPad. Fine. You know, whatever. Yeah. That's going to really decrease the nose too. Yeah. And you can totally nurture their feelings and their upsetness throughout holding those boundaries so they can exist together. Yeah. And I kind of caught myself the other day because I was trying to get Henley to come downstairs and uh, she ran away from me while she was in her room. And I did. I, I got very, very frustrated. And she ran into our bedroom and closed the door uh, right in my face. And I turned <laughs> I turned around. I had her shoes in my hand. I turned around. I said, OK, I'm putting the shoes next to the door. Stay in the room forever then. And I walked downstairs. Oh, so total so wrong way. But I caught myself. I caught myself. It was wrong. And I won't do it again. I just wanted to be honest and vent. Yeah, real talk, Doug, like yeah. I have a, a three and a half year old and a one and a half year old and I'm a toddler expert and I, we literally write this content all day long. This is like our living. This is our passion. This is our goal. I only get it, quote unquote, right. Like I would say 60% of the time or 70% of the time. You know what I mean? Like, of course, Doug, like, of course. So do not even think of that as you did something wrong. I just think you celebrate anytime that you keep your cool as a parent. <laughs> right, that means you won that moment. Okay. That's you exactly great. You can actually always go back and use it as a learning experience and help them name feelings by just kind of like reflecting and saying, you know, earlier I lost my cool, my anger came out, I'm so sorry, I will do a better job of, you know, handling my anger next time without making you feel scared. That is such a good idea because that will teach her that it's okay for her to apologize and to kind of yes. admit, yes. you know, when she's wrong. That's a great idea. I'm doing a couple things, right? So that's that You're makes me feel it. better. You are. 
Oh, thank you, ladies. For everybody listening, I'm sure you guys want to be able to find out where you can find Dina and Kristen. I mean, they are, I can just give them a shout out myself. They're at Big Little Feelings on Instagram. Kristen and Dina, thank you, ladies, so much for taking the time out and for answering all of our toddler questions. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. It was so fun. We'll probably have you back on again because you're just filled with way too much good info. Yes. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. Oh my gosh. These ladies are everything. I genuinely like stalk their Instagram page. They literally have scenarios on everything. So they are wonderful. Yes. They're so great. And next week we have a really, really fun podcast for you. We have a podcast episode that I cannot wait for. And it's going to be questions about things that you don't know about me. So Doug, are you ready for that? Sure. I cannot wait for that. So next week, definitely stay tuned for that because we're going to answer some wild questions about like just different things that you want to know about us. Maybe people wouldn't necessarily share out loud, but we're going to answer every single question. And it's going to be so much fun. I can't wait for next week. So we'll see you guys then. Thank you so much for always coming in and hanging out with us every single week on Hot Marriage Cool Parents. Yes. And definitely check us out on Instagram, Hot Marriage Cool Parents, or each of us individually at Jamie and Otis or Doug Hainer. We love hearing from you. We love your five-star reviews. And wear a mask. I mean, let's like break this COVID thing, right? Let's wear a mask. Come on, people. Yeah. Let's all wear a mask. All right. Love you guys. Bye. Love you. Bye.